Awesome. Good morning, everybody. We had a great morning. Right. um, This morning, I want to speak about building his church. And um, the scripture I want to start with is in Matthew 16, verse 18. Yep, that's great. Thank you. And it says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So let's, let's pray. Lord, I uh, thank you for this opportunity to, um, to share your word, Lord. And I just pray, Father, that um, my words would be your words, Lord. That you would speak through me, Lord. That your Holy Spirit would speak loud and clear this morning, Lord. And that you would teach us the things that we need to know. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, God loves his church, right? And he's building his church, not us. He's building it. And we have the privilege of being a part of that. Um, And I love the scripture in Ephesians, which says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, amen, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as, does, as each part does its work. And that is uh, so what is on my heart, seeing God building his church, building his kingdom here in this place and seeing his people grow. You know, I just, I get such a thrill and I know Dean does too when we see growth in somebody, um, any kind of growth, you know, even if it's just something small but a positive, a step in the right direction, you know, is just such a thrill. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, I just want to share that um, the All the elders, we got together last month um, for a retreat, um, and when we were praying, um, I saw a picture of a a wall, a stone wall being built, and immediately I thought of the book of Nehemiah, which I really love. Um, I love that book because it it talks about how God allowed Nehemiah and the people to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem in just 52 days and how God provided um, through the king and gave Nehemiah favour with the king so that um, the materials were provided and and how God gave Nehemiah and the people wisdom so that they could deal with all the opposition that they had, so they'd be building with one hand and holding a sword in the other. Um, It's just an awesome story, and it always reminds me of God building his church. Um, For me, church life is about building together, and, you know, we always want to build with whoever wants to build, 
will build with you. Um, it's about building his kingdom. You know, we're only a small part of the kingdom of God, but we're going we're gonna to build for all our might here at Lane Park Church. Um, and we build one another up. You know, so important. Um, the Bible calls us living stones with Jesus as the cornerstone. And the cornerstone is the first and most important stone. And um, a cornerstone determines the position of the whole structure because every other stone is set in reference to that cornerstone. And that's the way we want to build. Jesus always comes first. He's always the last word on everything. Um, in First Peter it says... Um, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And um, I've, I've got quite a bit of scripture here, and I, I don't apologize for that because the Word of God says that this, his scripture does not return void, and I can make no such promises for what I say. So, <laughs> so um, I want to read this scripture from um, 1 Corinthians, which says, For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light." It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. And I want to be one who builds well, don't you? Yeah, I want to hear that well done, good and faithful servant when my earthly life is over. So how do we build well? What are some of the keys? We already know that Jesus is the foundation of everything. We know that God is building the house and that we are his co-laborers. So obviously, if he's the boss, we need to ask him, how does he want us to build? And then be obedient to those directions. At the elders' retreat, at the same time God was showing me the wall, um, Jeanette saw... Um, it was seeing a picture of a castle with turrets. And in architecture, a turret is a small tower that projects vertically from the wall of the building, such as a medieval castle. And my immediate feeling was that this spoke about a watchtower. And I immediately thought where the Bible talks about people being a watchman on the walls. And when I googled it, it said... A castle turret served several purposes. The main purpose was that the turret, like a watchtower, yes, provided a 360-degree view of the surrounding land, as castles were usually built high up on the hills, and this gave soldiers inside a fantastic view for miles, and they would be able to see an enemy and others approaching the castle. 
In Ezekiel chapter 3, it says, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to a wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade them from their evil ways in order to save their life, that wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person, and they do not turn from their wickedness or from their evil ways, they will die for their sin, but you will have saved yourself. In this case, the the watchman, Ezekiel, was a prophet. And sometimes, and I've said this before, we can perceive something or notice something about a situation or a person. And it could be, as in this verse, that we seek God and he wants us to say something um, with wisdom. But sometimes he's just calling us to pray. We might notice something and it's our job to pray and keep watching and keep praying. Um, So it's really where we need to exercise wisdom. And as it says in Ecclesiastes, there's a time for everything, a time to be silent and a time to speak. What else do we know about watchmen in relation to building his church? Well, I believe that the elders and leaders have a special responsibility to watch and pray and to protect the church. The elders are responsible for the whole church and the leaders are responsible for being watchmen over the people they lead. But really, we're all responsible to watch out for those around us, aren't we? After all, we're a family. Yeah. And it is actually something um, that we do really well as a church. Um, There's many people here who phone each other, sometimes daily, visit each other, just keep an eye on each other. Um, And it's a wonderful part of the DNA of this church, which um, I think began with Hudson and Joan right from the beginning of the fellowship. So let's really keep that going and let's encourage each other to continue to look after each other in practical ways and keep praying for one another and just noticing how each other's doing. Ask the question, how are you? And, you know, with time to listen for the real answer. When the elders were praying, Peter received the third part of the picture, um, and he really felt that the church that is being built has to be a place of refuge and safety. Um, it must be a safe place for people, and I, just, I totally agree. Um, Proverbs 18 says the name of the Lord is a fortified tower the righteous run to it and are safe and Psalm 91 says I will say of the Lord he is my refuge and my fortress my God in whom I trust so what is a refuge? Um, The dictionary says it's the state of being safe or sheltered from pursuit danger or difficulty or a place or situation providing safety or shelter. And um, some of the words are shelter, protection, safety, security, sanctuary, preservation, safekeeping, and safe haven. And that's what our God is, and that's what we want to be as a church as well. Um, And what is a fortress? A fortress is a large, strong building or group of buildings that can be defended from attack. So we know that God is our fortress and our refuge. 
He is our safe place, our shelter from the storms of life. He protects us. But he has also given us his church, and we have one another to help us and support us. And um, as lead pastors, Dana and I feel really strongly about caring for people well. Um, for example, just one small thing is like we really watch our leaders and make sure that they're not too busy or, or overloaded. And if someone comes to us and who's, who's doing a role, uh, worship, uh, sorry, serving in a particular area and say, you know, I just, I need a break. Um, you know, my work's really busy or my family life is busy at the moment. You know, we're never going to say no. We're always going to be supportive. Yes, God comes first, then your family comes next, and then your work. You, you know, we need to to work to pay the bills, um, and serving comes after that. So we're always going to be supportive of that. Um, yeah, so um, right at the beginning of the year, I just feel it's really important to talk about building his church together, to encourage one another, and to think about what sort of culture we're building um, when Dean and I first took over as the youth and young adults pastors in Palmerston North um, at Life Church, one of the first things that I learned was that a healthy culture is absolutely vital to the health of a group. Health of a group. Um, uh, you might have heard the saying, "Culture eats strategy for breakfast," which I love, um, and it's attributed to Peter Drucker. Um, so, of course, we need strategy. And um, the elders, and uh, we're always working on strategies to do things better and to um, facilitate growing the church. Um, you know, we know that people are going to come. The church is going to grow. And right now we're working on, you know, making sure we've got a strong group of leaders and we've got all the processes and the structures in place so that we are ready when that comes. You know, we want to be um, good stewards of the people that God brings. So what do I mean by a healthy culture? There are many aspects to a healthy culture in church, but there's just a few that I want to touch on that I think are really important. Um, and the first one is humility. Um, Dean and I are always watching for people who are humble. Um, you know, that means they are willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done. They see the goal and they just get stuck in. They don't want to be asked. They're willing to sacrifice their time and energy without expecting anything in return. And they see their efforts as a gift to God. And we have lots of wonderful people like this at Lane Park Church. We are so blessed. Um, and at the risk of, of um, I don't want to like offend anyone or miss anyone out, but I just there's a couple of people I just want to mention and just um, as an, as examples, um, and one of them is as Anne Coughlin. Um, <laughs> don't look down, Anne. <laughs> I mean, this lady she won't mind me saying she's over eighty now, but um, when recently when we had Shine. Um, at the end of the last year, you know, she was there in the kitchen serving. And, you know, I want to be like her when I grow up. She's, she's every, every week at Mainly Music, she's there and she comes the day before to set up. 
She's amazing, apart from all the stuff she does with her family. So, um, yeah, humility and a, just a true servant. Um, another person that, um, that I just really noticed at Shine and was just so blessed was Brian Lewis. Um, he was on the barbecue for hours, you know, serving all these people um, on his artificial leg. And by the end of the night, I said to him, you must be really sore. And he said, yep. But I'm like, go home. He's like, no, I'm not going home till it's done, you know. And I just thought, oh, bless that man. Um, and, and another person who just is always a blessing to Dean and I um, and just, I don't know how she does everything she does, but that is Jenny Harris. Um, you know, she comes in here, she just quietly comes in and she, she, you know, vacuums. I saw her vacuuming this morning, I saw her bringing out water for the, um, the worship team. You know, she's, and she's, yeah, amazing. You've got no idea of all the stuff she does. So just, I mean, we've got... I could be here all day talking about the amazing people we have in this church, but um, I just wanted to just highlight a few because we like to honour people. Um, in Matthew 6 it says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. I love that. I, I love that picture of just people that do stuff, and the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand, love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Another um, aspect of, of a healthy culture is, um, as I just mentioned, is, um, is a culture of honour. And in this church, we really value honouring one another. Uh, last week, Dean mentioned gossip and how destructive that is to any group. Um, because when we honour one another, we speak well of one another. When we have a culture, we recognise that... Eat, uh, sorry, when we have a culture of honour... We recognise that each person is incredibly valuable and precious and that each one is a one-of-a-kind masterpiece, handcrafted by the hand of God. Uh, like our senior pastor, uh, Ralph Sutherland, used to say, we put a 10 on everybody's head. Um, Danny Silk, in his uh, book, Culture of Honour, uh, said this, Each believer comes to understand his or her significance in relationship, to, in relationship sorry, to the whole body, and the conviction begins to take hold. I carry something that no one else carries. I must develop and release my gifts into the church and the world and do my part in bringing heaven to earth. Honour empowers people. It's good, eh? 
And um, of course, I love 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which says, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, but keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. You know, when we have a culture of honour, we choose to see the best in people. We choose to believe the best about them. And we give them the benefit of the doubt if we hear something that doesn't look so good or see something. We go and ask them. And if we have concerns, we go and talk to them instead of just assuming the worst or telling all our friends about it or telling people so that they can pray. Um, you know, we, we apply lots of grace just as we would want lots of grace applied to us. I know I need a lot of grace. Philippians 4 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The third thing that um, um, is, I believe is important in a healthy culture is integrity. And I found this awesome definition of integrity. It says, Integrity is a personal quality of fairness that we all aspire to, unless you're a dishonest, immoral scoundrel, of course. <laughs> Having integrity means doing the right thing in a reliable way. It's a personality trait that we admire, since it means a person has a moral compass that doesn't waver. It literally means having wholeness of character, just as an integer is a whole number with no fractions. Physical objects can display integrity too. If you're going over a rickety old bridge that sways in the wind, you might question its structural integrity. To me, integrity simply means doing the right thing all the time, wherever you are. Whether you're in public where people can see you, or in private where no one but God knows. It means being the same person wherever you are. And it means that you are the same on the inside as you are on the outside. And it's a beautiful thing. And that's why it's so important to allow God to work on the inside. If we're growing in a healthy way on the inside, it's going to show on the outside. And um, at the risk of losing my my. Um, blessing. Um, I'm going to share this little story from the other day. I was um, shopping on Friday for some bits and pieces for our youth leaders training, which we had yesterday. And, um, and I was going through the checkout and I just looked on the prices and what, was, what had been scanned. And I said to the girl, um, I think you might find there's a few more notebooks there. So she did another count and oh, yep, she hadn't put enough on and so she added that to the, the bill. And she, after a while she said, thank you for that. And I said, oh, that's okay. And she said, most people wouldn't do that. Most people would just go. And I said, oh, I am definitely not most people. And, and then she said, um, she said, oh, you're stocking up. 
like kind of like she was like, you know, what are you what are you doing? What's all this stuff for? Um, and I said, oh, we've got um, our youth leaders from church are having training day tomorrow, so it's for that. So, yeah, I was kind of able to um, to say, kind of give a reason as to why I'm not most people um, and why we're going to pay for everything we've bought. <laughs> um, so, and the, the fourth thing that um, about culture, a healthy culture that I believe is, um, that we value, is people that are sold out for God. And we've got lots of people here that are totally sold out for God. Um, when I meet someone new, the very highest honour that I can pay them was, is when I talk to Dean later and I say, they are the real deal. Um, and what I mean by that is that there's a real genuine love for God that results in that person being totally sold out. They have fully surrendered their will and their life to him and they're living for him 100%. Well, as much as we can, you know, none of us are perfect. They don't have their own agendas and they're not a little bit in the kingdom but also a little bit doing their own thing. Um, and you can just really sense it, can't you? Somebody that's, that's just the real deal. And that's the culture that we're building. I've just got a couple of other things that I think are really important about our culture. And um, the fifth one is that we are multi-generational. Um, one of the things that I've thought for a long time about the kingdom of God is that there's really no race or age you know, you can be friends, really good friends with somebody who is decades older or decades younger than you um, from a completely different background um, and you can learn from each other. Um, you know, and we are blessed in this church to have people from many different cultures and backgrounds. You know, we've got interesting, awesome people. Um, and I always tell people, you know, how they say friends from Palmy or wherever, you know, how's it going, how's it going in Upper Heart? And I just say, it's great, it's our home, it's a beautiful city, we love it, we've got amazing people in our church, um, and we love them. <laughs> um, so, you know, I really believe that in church there does not need to be a generation gap. You know, we, I, I actually have the privilege of, um, and it really is a privilege, of visiting people um, from church in their homes during the week. And what a blessing it is to me. I mean, how much fun is that? There's no better way to get to know someone, in my opinion, than to visit them in their own home and just, just ask them about their life and their, um, their history and their family and... Um, it's just amazing. You ask a few questions and you start to really uncover the treasure. Um, and we have precious people of all ages who are part of this church, um, including many who have been part of it for a really long time, and some many since, right since this church began. And, you know, I think that is, that's precious. That's amazing. Um, they have wonderful testimonies to share, and I'm just always so blessed to listen to them. I would encourage anyone to take time to get to know somebody outside your own 
you know, group of friends at church, your own demographic, you know, take a risk, um, you know, talk to somebody new, talk to somebody who you've never talked to before, talk to somebody who's a lot older or younger or a different race or nationality. Um, you know, we, uh, we're really blessed because we've got an amazing cafe team who we have the cafe every single week and we can go out there, have a beautiful coffee and a slice and, you know, they've set up this beautiful in- environment and atmosphere. It's super easy to just go and plonk yourself down at a table and just get to know people. It's so cool. Um, and sort of following on for that, just a, a brief... Um, mention, and I've, I've said this before and I'll probably say it again a million times, that part of our culture here is that a new person, the person who's visiting for the first time, is the most important person in the group. And whether it's in church, whether it's in a small group, wherever we are, the new person, the visitor, is the most important person. And the second most important person is the person who was new last week. So I think that's that's really important. And the last thing, um, really important thing, about um, our culture and church is that we are outward focused. And uh, you might have heard this this quote before. William Temple said, "The church is the only organisation that is, does not exist for itself, but for those who live outside of it." Um, and recently we had a couple visit us um, on a Sunday morning and the reason they chose to come to this church was because we had the Great Commission on our website. Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, it's my prayer that, and the prayer of many of us, that those words on our website will not just be you know, something written on the website, but that, that they'll be engraved in our parts, that they're going to, you know, they're part of who we are and they're going to be demonstrated in our lives. Um, so in summary, we are building his church, his kingdom together. Well, he's building it. We're co-laboring with him and we are watching out for one another and praying for one another. We have one another's backs. And by the grace of God, we're building a safe, healthy place where people can grow and flourish. And you know, if you've got a healthy culture, people are attracted to that. Um, And God makes it grow. And the culture that we're building is absolutely crucial. And some of the important elements that I believe are humility, honour, integrity, being sold out for God, being friends with people older and younger than ourselves from all different backgrounds, remembering that the most important person in any meeting is the new person and we treat them accordingly. And finally, we are outward focused, recognising that we are here primarily to teach, sorry, to reach our community with the love of Jesus. So I'll pray. Lord, I thank you, Father, that It's you that's building your church. 
Lord, and we know that you're going to be successful. And Lord, we choose to opt in as your co-laborers and to work alongside you, directed by you, um, building with you, Lord, so that we can see many people come to know you and that we who already know you, that you can help us to grow in healthy ways. Yeah, we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.